welcome to our first NL full-time of the season. It was like first day back at school for some teams with seven red cards across the, the National League top division, all for the away sides. And I know the person that I'm going to bring in now made a comment of the National League, so predictable, but it would be unpredictable. The man that said that was Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. Yes, the only thing that comes guaranteed, isn't it? Um I think going back to school was a, a well-worn phrase uh, yesterday, as was don't read too much into opening day results because you hear it from the winning managers, you hear it from the losing managers, but we're back, we're underway and my goodness me, um, it arrived back on the scene uh, with some drama, didn't it? Yeah, you always want to start with an opening day win. As somebody else who's going to look over it with us is Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Good morning, gents. It's uh, yeah, nice to be back in Harmis again. Well, let's get straight into it with the favourites who were we all predicted, and most people have as well. Uh, a Wrexham, they fell behind too easily, actually, and it was looking like it could be a bit of a sticky start for Phil Parkinson, but eventually they turned it around. The man who made the difference was Elliot Lee, who they brought him from Lou, and they brought him on a sub in the 62nd minute, and he scored in the 72nd and 85th minute to cancel out George Langston's early goal. And uh, a big result that for Rectum because maybe it was a result that they wouldn't have got last season, or certainly they might have, but it would have been a lot later maybe. They've also got quality now in Elliot Lee, haven't they? Well, it would seem so, Luke, wouldn't it? I mean, first confession from me, I've changed TV provider in the summer. Schoolboy error on the first day. I didn't set my series link to record the highlights, so I haven't had the benefit of seeing it. What I do know what happened was that Wrexham thought, you know you know what, we've got nearly 10,000 in. Let's give them a bit of drama today. Let's, let's make them think that it's not going to go our way and then we'll just pop a couple of goals in in the last 20 minutes, turn it round and send everybody home. Uh, happy, all the Wrexham fans anyway. Uh, it's a tough one on Eastleigh, who were heading for, you know, maybe three points. Uh, certainly a decent one. But uh, yeah, Elliot Lee put him to the sword and he marked his debut with a brace. And ultimately, it's job done for Wrexham. Three points on the opening day. But that's what they're going to face week in, week out. They are going to be Teams Cup finals and, and it's going to be hard for them. And also... Teams who we think are going to be challenging Wrexham. One of them was Solihull Moors. And Rob, you saw them firsthand. You were hoping they didn't have a playoff hangover, but there was none of it, was there? Absolutely none of it. And um, from Solihull Moors' point of view, literally, I'm going to wheel out the same phrase from last season, like a well-oiled machine. Um, One caveat to that, I think on the day, um, by his own admission, Mark Mosley's men got their pressing game wrong. And it was far too easy for Solihull Moors to to get crosses in, to get on the end of them. Um, and it's a little showreel that I would imagine Aldershot will look back at two or three times over the next uh, coming weeks because they cannot defend like that and get away with it. Um, I'll take the, uh, the mantra of don't read too much into one game. Uh, a lot of people outside looking in will go, oh, there you go, there's confirmation. Aldershot are going to be relegation favourites. I do think they'll have better days this season. But full credit to Solihull Moors. And of course, we heard from their manager, Neil Ardley, last week when he caught up with Dickie pre-season. Um, but player-wise, I thought, well, he ended last season's uh, uh, pod with a chat with Joe Sabara. Why not start with another one um, as he was straight on the score sheet as the season kicked off? 
What a really good first afternoon at the office, Joe. Yeah, it was um, good personally, but most importantly, it's the three points you wanted. I said earlier, it could have been easy to have a bit of a hangover from like, the disappointment last season, but we come out, show what we're all about, show character, confidence on the ball and created numerous chances, and it could have been more, and it's just a great start to the season. For you, sort of more forward players, it was great because nearly everybody got either a goal or an assist today, didn't they? And it's nice to get that one yeah. off, off your back in the first game. Yeah, definitely. It's nice just to get the ball rolling um, in the first game of the season. But yeah, we've got goals, assists all over the front line, and... You always back us to create chances and put them away, especially with the quality we've got. So it's it's a uh, it's great great problems for the gaffer to have. Have you and, and the side collectively been keen to to just really really try and hit the ground running? Because un, until you'd done so, everyone was going to say, "Oh, I wonder if they'll be that team that have the uh, the little bit of a hangover mm. from the playoff final." Yeah, we were raring to go. I think uh, I think pre the first week of pre-season, you could sense a bit of. Um, sort of down down in the in the group but that's that soon went and the, the main focus was just getting getting here today getting the three points and starting as we mean to go on and uh, new boys coming in obviously mm. um uh, uh, kelly's come off the bench yeah. late on and got a, a, a little bit of pitch time but um for alex reed as well mm. um to be part of a winning side and, and and have they gelled straight into the group yeah they're yeah. good they're they're great players yeah they've done really well since they've come in but I think the uh, <clears throat> the gaffer sort of signs good players but also good people and I think that helps them settle in straight away because they sort of, we've got a really tight-knit group from last year the ones the ones we've kept and um, they just add to that and it's a it's a nice balance of experience mid-experience as they say and young players and I think it just bodes well for the season and it's only a couple of months since we spoke we knew you were staying or you were contracted at Solihull Moors but you've signed an improved yeah. contract and nice to get the future settled yeah I think so yeah I mean um I love it here. I think uh, the gaffers instilled a belief in me that I, I haven't had. I play with enjoyment. Uh, I get on really well with each and every one of the lads. and uh, It's a great place to be and develop yourself and develop your game with the coaches we got here and the players as well. And Hopefully we can go on better this year. And there's some great stats, isn't there, from last year? 87 points, 83 mm. goals, 18 goals for yourself. Mm. You corrected me when I said it was 16, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I guess none of improving any of those numbers matter if you can just be either in that top one or the oh, yeah. top two, uh, you know, the, 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 the playoff positions and win the playoffs. Yeah, I think if you speak to the gaffer, you take a 1-0 win every week and uh, go with the lowest goals scored, lowest points total, as long as you're in that top one. I think the playoffs, as we mm. found out, can be uh, gut-wrenching at times. Um but if we have to do it that way, we have to do it. It's just a, it's just at the end of it, you see your, your name in League 2. And that was Joe Sabara again. He'll be wanting a regular slot on this podcast. Um, <laughs> he'll probably want paying, so that's not going to happen. <laughs> no, no, yeah, think... we've, we've already got a Joe. We can't have a second one. That'll just confuse him. <laughs> it's, um, he needs to stop scoring and doing so well, I suppose, for him to um, not get on. But he's, he's going to be one of the favourites to be top scorer this year. He's probably going to challenge Paul Mullen, isn't he? And he might well do. Certainly getting a, a goal on your opening day always helps striker. I don't care what level it is, uh, whatever division. You know, as he said in that chat there, it doesn't matter if they get 87 points again or score 83 goals again or he gets 18 goals again. As long as they finish either in position number one or they get it done uh, in the playoffs. And there's no question and they're not shying away from the fact that that is their aim this season. So they're likely to push uh, some of those other big boys all the way. Just one little footnote on Neil Ardley's astute use of the uh, loan system, because uh, in that starting lineup yesterday, he's got a goalkeeper he's got on loan for six months, and two other players, in, in, including uh, Kelleher, um, who's uh, on loan for an entire season from uh, Bradford City, I think it is. 
um, and another member of the team, another good member of the team who escapes my mind right at this moment. But uh, really good use of the loan system already, getting good quality players in for the season on loan when he knows they're going to deliver what he wants in his style. Now, we'll talk about Chesterfield. I know we got a lot of reaction from Chesterfield fans to our predictions pod. Some saying that um, we're underestimating Chesterfield and that they'll surprise us this season. Well, they did go 2 0 up at newly promoted Dorkin. Um, Quasi Santi on the score sheet. He was taken off the transfer list this week. Paul Cook says he's earned the right to come off it. Uh, he opened the scoring. Armando Dobre added a second right at half time. In between that, they had Lucas Coverland, the goalkeeper, they signed on loan from Port Vale. Yes, that one who scored for Torquay in the final. He was sent off on 28 minutes and it all unravelled a little bit after that. James McShane got the equaliser and then it was a... Sorry, James McShane got a goal back and then an equaliser in the 77th minute from Luke Moore before Chesterfield then had Brandon Horton sent off in the 95th minute to end with nine men. And I suppose Chesterfield will bemoan Refereeing decisions, Rob, but for Dorkin, that's a, it's a great result for them, isn't it? They needed to get off the mark quickly. I think they'll have been through every emotion at Dorking yesterday. First of all, what a great dramatic occasion for their first game in the National League. Probably before the game, they would have shook your hand on a point. Maybe Mark White wouldn't because he fancies uh, beating the big boys week in, week out. But um, yeah, a lot going against them. 2-0 down um, and... Uh, Credit to them for coming back, for finding a way, for sticking a point on the board. They'll probably feel, even after having got two all, that they might have gone on to win it. But um, interestingly, I exchanged a couple of messages with Mark White uh, last evening and he, he did feel that um, they'd actually had a bit of a poor day, Dawkins. So the fact that they'd had a bit of a poor day in terms of their standards and still got a point um, is uh, exceptional. And I've got to, although he's not able to join us today, I've got to refer to uh, Joe Pope's off-the-line season preview blog uh, and also to the uh, chap that came on from Chesterfield to give his thoughts. Here's the question. What is the one one thing Cook needs to improve this season? Too many squandered leads. Even before Cook came in, our Achilles heel uh, was conceding late goals. Too many points were thrown away from winning positions. If he can address that, then uh, I can see us doing very well indeed. Uh, <clears throat> it must be uh, it must be like a uh, reoccurring nightmare for Chesterfield fans. Yeah, it's just to say Joe's not here this week. He's only had one week with us and he's off on holiday already. That's what we're doing. <laughs> he needed a rest. Um, just a small little thought of footnote and maybe people think I'm nitpicking, but I found it really bizarre that Chesterfield didn't have a goalkeeper on the bench. I had to put Ollie Banks in there and he spent most of the game in there. And... Um, I don't know, maybe if uh, they had a, a proper keeper on the bench, they may well have got away with the three points. What What do you think, Rob? Well, I haven't seen it, so I, I, I can't say too much. But obviously, it's strange, isn't it? You know, managers talk about having cover for every position, don't they? They talk mm. about, well, if this happens, we've got someone else who can come in and slot in. And then they go and, 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 and put a, a bench together. Probably, sometimes, I don't know, you know, to, to make sure they've got all the outfield options first. But Maybe that's something that Paul Cook will review as the season goes on. And ironically, it happened to Chesterfield before, didn't it? In a playoff semi-final, if I remember correctly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was a, Ollie Banks was in net for just over an hour. So um, I suppose in a way, they'll be pleased to have got a point and got that out of the way anyway. And we'll see how Dawkins get on next week when they 
travel to Boundary Park to take on Oldham Athletic. We'll talk about Oldham very shortly, but we'll move on to someone else who will probably heavily feature in the playoff mix. And Dickie, I'll come to you on this because I know you always talk about once Boreham Wood get ahead, they're very difficult to break down. And so it proved even they finished with nine men, but Southend couldn't break them down and ultimately Boreham Wood stole all three points. Yes, they did. Um, it was, a, 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 dare I say, apart from the red cards, probably a, a typical Boreham Wood performance yesterday. Uh, a goal from one of their new signings, Danny Newton, put them into the lead. And yeah, they, they then um, hung on against Southend, despite the fact that they, uh, it, that they that their numbers got chipped away and chipped away. They had Lee and Love, another of their debutants, uh, dismissed for a second yellow card. Um, and uh, yeah, Devin Kelly Evans, another one of their uh, new signings. He he got a second. He well, he got straight red in the 89th minute. So he was against nine men. It was against ten for what about the last quarter of an hour when uh, when and Love got sent off. So it probably was typical backs to the wall defending that we saw from Boreham Wood, particularly in those cup ties last season. But we know that they're so adept to that. An interesting stat about Southend, Rob, was I, th- I think I heard. Night did not won on the opening day for five years, which is, is pretty remarkable. And that, and that run continued. Yeah, I mean, I think we're near enough all, as you said, to tip them to, to make the playoffs. And uh, to be honest, it wasn't the easiest opening day game for them at all because Boreham were very adept at going into, into the, the backyard of big clubs and uh, keeping clean sheets and coming away with wins. Looks like they certainly had to battle for it. As I say, I haven't seen the highlights, but uh, three yellows and... Uh, and Love and uh, Kelly Evans sent off on 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 their debuts as well. So mixed uh, mixed fortunes for for Luke Garrett. He'd be pleased with the clean sheet, pleased with the the three points, but um, obviously suspension coming up for those key players. Yeah, I did see complaints from one or two Southend fans uh, about the style with which uh, Boreham Wood uh, went about getting that victory yesterday, saying that that it wasn't something that they would pay to watch for a whole season, um, but. You know, it's proven to be very successful for for Boreham Wood. I think the foundation of that that togetherness that they seem to have will probably only be strengthened by you know getting a win when you when you only got nine men on the field at the end of the game. So, it, in some ways, almost kind of a dream start for Boreham Wood. It is just those those two suspensions that they're going to have to face now. But um, we think they've probably got the depth to cope with that. I think the eye-catching result of the, the day, Rob, was, was Barnet beating Halifax. I know Halifax have got a newish team and they're still looking to add in all the new players, but a lot of the players they brought in do have played together before, kind of at Stockport and, and other teams. So it was a surprise that he went down to Barnet and lost by two goals to nil. Yeah, I think so. To be fair, it'd be a real uh, feather in the cap for um, Dean Brennan and Barnet to get off to a winning start and a clean sheet for them. Efren Mason-Clark seems to have been around forever, but I think he's still only 22, 23 years old. And Nicky Kabamba, another striker who scored on his you know, debut in front of his own fans. That would be fantastic for them. Pretty much a, a faultless first day for Barnet and still a bit of work to do, of course, for Halifax, who you know, their, their new manager will be keen to prove that he played just as big a part in that, uh, you know, success, like, overachievement, if you like, last season when Pete Wild was at the helm. And uh, he'll be keen to get his first uh, point or points on the board sooner rather than later. And also uh, another team, Rob, I that kind of, the results stood out a little bit was Wheelstone beating Bromley. Bromley came from behind 
twice. Uh, they came from 2-0 down and Michael Cheek was inevitably on the score sheet. But what a good result that is for Stuart Maynard on opening day of the season. Oh, fantastic. Um, I still think it'll be a tough season for them, but what a start um, to, you know, to beat Bromley. Especially the, it was it was the ultimate three two, wasn't it? You get you take the lead one nil, then you go two one down, and you think, oh, there's old Bromley doing what they did last season, coming from behind, and then no, Wildstone just came again and 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 got it done in the end. That's a fantastic three points for them. Another striker, Olimola, scoring on his debut at home in front of his home fans. It was the real pattern, wasn't it? Along with the sendings off of the away players on the opening day, uh, Reese Brown with a penalty. And last season's uh, Player of the Year at Wealdstone, Jack Cook, uh, the former Woking defender. Um, he got the winner on 76 minutes, and uh, I- I'd imagine that's one of the better games and, 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 and one, of the, one of the best feelings, really, for the Wealdstone players' management and fans after that one. Three points on the board already. Yeah, Alvin Moore was an interesting one because he actually said, like you say, in front of his home fans, but it actually feels like he has come home because he's from. North London, and I think obviously he's been around the country, maybe not settled. If I think the interview he gave, he feels like he's really up for this challenge at Wheelstone now because he's closer to his family as well. He feels a lot more comfortable and happy, and that that's shown already by him scoring. Absolutely, yeah, and uh, big boots to fill in Josh Umera, mm-hmm. but there's nothing better than scoring on the opening day as a striker. Oldham, they would have wanted to go into their opening day fixture and not lose, and that's exactly what they did, despite. Going down to 10 men, two yellow cards for Dan Gardner. He drew 0-0 away at Torquay and tough place to go on the opening day of the season, that Rob, especially for uh, somebody who's just come down and they actually made history all them, didn't they? The first team to have played in the Premier League and now in the National League. And I suppose if you're John Sheridan, you'd take a point, wouldn't you? Yeah, again, it is difficult to comment without having seen how the match played out. But you, you, you almost teed me up perfectly the first time. Um, I was going to come back with, yeah, especially if your trike breaks down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know he's, um, <laughs> he's an interesting character, isn't he, the chairman, it's fair to say. Yeah, I know. Um, I think, listen, it's a good thing, isn't it? Characters in football, we love it. And, and, and there's definitely one there at Oldham. And uh, I wouldn't be uh, surprised if our friends at BT make a point of catching up with him next week when the when the live TV cameras go to see that one. And they couldn't pick a more contrasting game, could they? Oldham against Dorking. It's finally going to happen. And it's live. Old Martin Tyler there. Uh, <laughs> Martin Tyler from Rob there. Notts uh, <laughs> County brought Notts uh, County Dickie. They got off to a great start, didn't they? And uh, with Carly Langstaff, he, he got the number nine shirt at Notts County. Big boots to fill, certainly with Kyle Wooten going and, and Callum Roberts. And I think it was interesting to see how, how they do, Sedwin Scott and Macaulay Langstaff. And McCall Langstaff's got off to a flying start, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. I think, I think, uh, looking at the two of them from the outside, I think Langstaff's probably the one that you'd expect to score more goals out of the pair. Two goals on opening day in a, in a 3-0 win, I think will help. If he did have any doubts in his mind about whether he's good enough to play at this level, I, I'm sure uh, you know those will be um, dispelled by getting a couple of goals. On opening day, um, you know, given the number of goals he scored last season, I imagine his confidence is very high anyway. And yeah, I think it was Joel Taylor who added the third goal for Notts County in the what second half. What a strike, half, but... by the way. 
I've not seen it. I've not yeah. seen it. Good goal, is it? Oh, yeah, a, a belter. He's, he's a good 30 yards out and he puts it top bins. It's a great strike. Yeah, I mean, I just struck, there was, I think they're on the front cover of the non-league paper this morning is, is Langstaff. Joel Taylor's in shot as well and Sam Austin as well. And I, I was struck by the fact that, again, they, they were all three players who've come from National League North and made that step up. Um, I know that Taylor was at Chester. We've obviously spoken about Austin moving up from Kidderminster. Um, yeah, really good start for Notts County and new manager uh, Luke Williams. Maidenhead, Rob, I know, I think you tipped him to go down and there are a few people tipped and, and obviously they seem to pull rabbits out of the hat every year. Maidenhead is the only team keeping all the shot off bottom, so I know you're quite happy with that result as well. Uh, yeah, well, wasn't happy with, uh, with, 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 with all the shots result, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, early league tables don't mean too much, do they? And, uh, you know, right, right uh, Alan Devonshire's men off at your peril. I've reluctantly put them in the bottom four this year purely because I've really struggled to find uh, four sides that I think will finish in the bottom. It's far, far harder picking the bottom than it is the top because there are so many teams, so many managers uh, of great character that just refuse to sit down and lie down for other teams in this league. And, uh, you know, it's it's, it's probably going to be, you know, there's four teams going down and there's no team starting on minus points like Dover last year. So it's the full allocation, as you made the point in the preview pod, Luke, uh, and there is a massive trapdoor there of four places awaiting those who, who, who can't do it consistently over the season. Um, I hope Aldershot won't be involved in that. Some would say they're bound to be. Um, and uh, from a Maidenhead point of view, who remembers what? Three, four seasons ago, they lost the first three games on the trot. And then they won four mm. on the bounce and they were sat in the top half. Uh, and that's another reason why we shouldn't get too carried away with the opening day results. Oh, I know what you're saying about all the chat. I saw your mate Steve Aspinall yesterday. He wasn't happy I predicted him to go down. He looked to me like I was mad, but then it... anyway, there we go. <laughs> uh, York, they got a really good win, and his full name is Kamarudin Kuya. He's known as Mazar, which is a lot easier. He scored the opening goal for York and they returned to the National League. And then Probably the set-piece routine of the weekend, a fantastic little corner routine, was whacked in by the evergreen Michael Duckworth. And they've beaten a Woking side who had many people's underdogs to get in the playoffs this season, Vicky. A really good start for John Askey. Yeah, it is. Um, nice story in QER as well. I mean, he was at Hereford last season. Um, and I, I'm led to believe by um, somebody I know from Hereford that he actually took... The, the chance on going to York on just a short-term deal, probably on less money than he was on at Hereford, just in the, the hope of sort of uh, kicking on in his career, really. And it's, it's worked for him, obviously. He was part of a playoff-winning team last season. Now he's playing at a level above. Um, uh, and a goal in the in their first game, which, yeah, he's, he sets them um, on the road very nicely. It, it's a very much changed York team to the one that went up uh, at the end of last season. Just looking through, I think I can only see about four names in the York side that were actually in the team that, that won the playoffs. So John Askey has had a big turnover of players in the summer, but uh, yeah, early evidence is that, that, that that's gone well. Askey only kept six and uh, having claimed we shouldn't take too much into the first day of this season, one of the things that's very difficult to do when you make wholesale changes is get them gelled straight away and get them working together. And for York City to get three points on the opening day 
um, against a woke inside where there's been a lot of noise coming out of there from Darren Sale about how they're going to attack this season. That's a magnificent result and a great start for York. And a little Philip for me, the only one who was brave enough to say they might be in the top seven. Yeah, bigger test to come. But obviously, like I say, but it's a good woke inside. They're not playing someone who's expected to be down there. So it's been a, it's a good benchmark for York, that, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. But another team that came out of the National League North quickly, if you will look at them, Gates said they were 2-0 for Dagenham. We got off to the dream start after 12 minutes. Two plays you you know well and were part of their success last season. Paul Blackett and Adam Campbell had them on the road to three points. Paul McCallum then missed a penalty, but then it, he managed to get on the score sheet in the 39th minute. And then heartbreak for Mike Williams side. Gina Mariah scored in injury time and mixed emotions, I suppose, for Gates said, won't it? Yeah, I'm sure it will be. I think if if you looked at that game beforehand, you'd have if you'd offered Gates at a point on the road at Dagenham and Redbridge, I'm sure they'd have taken that. But to be two goals up in the first twelve minutes, um, and then leading two one going into the final minute of the game, they are bound to be disappointed. But uh, you know, I guess we can look at that in 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 some senses and say that that's a good thing. You know, to be disappointed that you didn't get that win. Um, given the position he got themselves into, suggests, you know, if they can just keep doing the, the things that they do, that, that that they will have some joy in this division this season. That was something that really struck me about Gateshead last season, is that they did, um, they, they had a plan and they stuck to it. They had a style and they stuck to it. And despite from the outside, and I might have been one of them, that, that kind of looked and thought, how well is this passing style going to work when we start playing on terrible pitches in January and February? It got them there, and uh, and so you know, it probably suggests that's why Mike Williamson is a football manager, and I'm sat here doing this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I suppose the one thing I did think when I looked through the team this morning, and Blackett and Campbell were, you know, did play second fiddle to Langstaff and Scott last season, but they did get some goals. Um, I looked through the lineup, and I, I was the, I think the lack of depth at Gateshead is a little bit of a concern for me. I know there were points last season when they weren't able to name even five subs on the bench, and that was in National League North. And they, I don't think they've necessarily added the depth. So they're going to be very reliant on keeping that core of players that they've got fit um, and free of suspension. Um, you know, maybe there is a, f- a few extra quid in the bank if Mike Williamson needs to go out and strengthen, but a, a decent start for them. Interest- interestingly, Rob, as well, all- none of the newly promoted sides lost because Maidstone, they went up to Aldershot, drew 1-1. They also had a man sent off. It looked like they were going to take all three points. It was an own goal that got Maidstone ahead from new signing Liam Brockbank for Chris, Con- Chris Conclark. That's... Not easy for me to say at all. Uh, he equalised right on half-time. And then they had uh, Heidi Gandor sent off in the 60th minute. But uh, I'm not sure when that last happened, Rob. All, all the newly promoted sides not losing on the opening day. Yeah, I don't know the stats and the science behind it. But um, I know that newly promoted teams come up with a little bit of momentum. They're, they're used to winning habits and certainly to not losing. So uh, it's not altogether too surprising. Um, they were got the first goal, I think, Maidstone. I'm pretty sure they scored the first goal in the National League on their opening day for them. And uh, they were swiftly followed up by Kate said uh, scoring the second goal as well. So they wasted no time in introducing themselves to the top level of non-league uh, upon their returns to that level. 
And the other game, of course, was the late game, the first game on TV. Scunthorpe, their first game in the National League. Data Cog Yeovil. They won by two goals to one. Andrew Boyce with the opener. Then Jacob Butterfield, who's played at a much higher level, looked to class above. He got the second. Yeovil did have some hope, but ultimately it was a losing start for Gritagos. You saw positives in the second half. Keith Hill was really delighted with his side. And again, it's one of these. Yeovil will probably struggle. Scunthorpe will be fine, but maybe not enough to sort of challenge the playoffs. Yeah, interestingly, managed to catch up briefly with Jeff Brazier after that game. And uh, he, 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 his main thoughts were that it could be a difficult season for Yeovil, especially if uh, they don't dip the hand in the pockets and, 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 and find a, a proven striker to, to replace the, uh, Tom Moles, uh, Knowles, sorry, who moved on to Walsall, didn't he, in the, uh, in the week before the season started. They may be just a little bit like Yeovil. It's going to be tough for them. Um, and for Scunthorpe, his main thoughts were really on uh, Jacob Butterfield, as you said, um, and um, and also on the home fans who didn't quite, couldn't quite believe it. It was a bit surreal for them. They're so used to hard times at Scunthorpe and to losing. Um, and I think they were a little bit in shock that their team went out there on the opening day and, and, and won all three points. Yeah, first win since February, Father. That's a long time to wait, isn't it? But... They got there in the end. As I said to Jeff, I don't know if we read too much into that result because um, it, it, it's two sides that, that, that may struggle, that may struggle at the uh, at the wrong end of the table. Obviously, I, I, I don't want to um, deflate Scunthorpe fans when they're enjoying such a high. But obviously, uh, uh, to, to coin a phrase you quoted a couple of minutes ago, Luke, probably tougher tests to come. We're going to look at the rest of the National League North results shortly but joining us now we have a very special guest they made the debut in the National League North on Saturday it's been a, a really remarkable rise from them it's Peter Sports and joining us is their chairman Grant Riddle hello Grant yeah good morning the first game yesterday yeah there was problems on day one so that they were a bit tight for time getting there so no no we've, we've got that to experience in December and they and they did oh. warn us it might be a bit fresh up there. So. Oh god, yeah, yeah. I'd take about forty coat. I'd take about forty <laughs> layers. Um, it is very yeah. very cold. Um, so what what was your first experience in of the National League North? Ah, you could tell the, the 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 step up in quality immediately. I mean, it's a. It would have been easier if we played an established team, perhaps to get a real benchmark. But uh, our feeling is they're probably going to be pushing for promotion next year, whether a playoff side. I mean. You don't get a manager leave Chorley to go there without thinking there's something happening there. So we found them a, bit, a big test, obviously. Um, going down to 10 men after 50 minutes didn't help. But, but we were very pleased in the end with a draw. Uh, they're probably a bit more disappointed and thought they should have got the three. So, But you could tell straight away, a big, strong, physical side um, with some real pace out wide. So, yeah, they were a very impressive outfit. I, I suppose, I mean, you are obviously smaller neighbour in Peterborough, but how 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 is um the local community and the public taken to you getting internationally north? Is is there a lot of excitement around it as well? Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, we we do fluctuate in crowds in terms of when Peterborough United are playing, and they were at home yesterday to Morecambe, so that probably knocked us back thirty or forty people who like to go and watch both games. But yeah, no, it, it's really it's really taken off. We've never had a, a non-league club in this area get anywhere near this level. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of interest and a lot of excitement. It's been a, a remarkable rise for you, hasn't it? I mean, it's just, it's almost like a fairy tale in a way, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, there are two or three other clubs have done it, but people like Salford have had huge investments to make it work. So, yeah, we've we've had some backing to do it. But, but yeah, to get through that level on the pitch has been a, a huge um, a huge uh, result and success. Obviously, off the field, we're, we're battling to try and keep pace with it. And anyone who comes down to see us um, this year, uh, we're at this stage, we're fairly modest in terms of facilities for a lot of grounds you're going to see this year. So we're working on and improving that and bringing it up to the levels. But um, we are where we are. We're we're a, a park team who started ten years ago playing in the second level of the Peterborough League. So it, it's a lot happened in that decade. I, I wanted to ask as well quickly before I let Dickie ask a, a question: Is has you got have you been put into the National League North? Has that affected you in terms of players? Um, that you maybe had last year at Southern Base, have you had to really recruit carefully? Has there been a lot of problems with recruitment in that sense? No, no. to be fair, we were happier to go north than south. Um, majority of our players are, are here or just further north. The the, the, the league last year is, is, whilst it's called the Southern League, it's effectively a Midlands League and we were playing across Birmingham, across the Midlands. So a lot of our players last year are either locally based or sort of up to Nottingham. The goal is in Sheffield. So, to be honest, we, we were 99% sure we'd be in the north, not the south. So, we, we recruited on that basis. Grant, it sounds like you're quite um, realistic in terms of your sort of ambitions for this season. You know, just saying there about, you know, your goalkeeper being busy. Um, that step up the, up the levels and, you know, knowing... Uh, being able to assess where where you're at is, you know, you got a sense of it yesterday in that first game, but it's probably going to take a few games more, isn't it, before you really get that sense of um, maybe whether you do need to recruit anymore or whether who you brought in over the summer are going to be, you know, um, up to the level. Yeah, I mean, my my thought is is three of them certainly are probably four with Nathan, Nathan Fox as well. A good game yesterday the goalie, and then the two Connors we brought in from Kettering were both established step two players. So we're comfortable with the, the five we've got, or four that we've got there. Um, I think we'll have a good idea at the end of August. We, we've got in the sixth way next week, we obviously had a great result yesterday. We've got Kidderminster and Kings Lynn over the bank holiday weekend. Both of them, I would imagine, are both teams. Um and then we've got Gloucester and uh, Chester at home. That's I, we think it's a fairly tough opening for six fixed six games. And I think at the end of that, we'll have a pretty good idea how, how good it is and how far away we are from some of the top teams. But certainly, our ambitions is to finish twentieth. If we can do that, we'd be delighted. Sure. I mean, you know, the players you've mentioned there. I think the signing of Connor Kennedy, particularly, was one that struck me because um, I'd seen him play for Kettering last season, and he was very important figure for them and it, and it was almost kind of a double coup in a way in that you were you were taking away from um another club at this level and and adding at the same time to his you know your own and i think with him and with johnson and you've spoken about is it nathan fox that's there and 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 the, the other place right yeah you're that seems like a pretty solid um you know base to be working on you know you're getting your defense pretty tight, I would suggest there. Yeah, well, what happened was, um, obviously, we, we, we had a decent squad last year, but we knew we couldn't go in next year. So Jimmy came to me in about 2nd of May, the day after the playoffs, and said, what can we go to? So we, we agreed a slight <laughs> increase. Um, 
he came back to me about a week later. He said, I'm talking to players at step two and they're laughing at me. So we, we, we negotiated, we found a bit more and we said, we, we want to go out and make one or two marquee signings that, that really might make a difference. And everyone we talked to said it, it's a big, physical, strong league. Um, and yeah, we've got one or two guys who are a bit of size and then we like our set pieces. But we did have a, a particularly midfield, we thought we were a little bit light, perhaps in terms of physicality. So we'd, we'd seen Connor for about four or five years now in, in the days when we played at Corby Town before he went to Kettering. And we're always a great admirer of Connor. Connor. So um, he, he was again a target. Um, yeah, we had to go in quite big for him. As, as no doubt has been documented on social media. But we did think it, it was important to get one or two really good players in who, who knew the level and, and would give a bit of strength there. So, yeah, he, he was a, another big target. I think that's, with his signing as well, it almost feels like that that could have gives out a signal to other players who, who potentially would be interested in that, look, you know, if he's prepared to come across to Peterborough Sports, then it's that same thing you mentioned about Jamie Vermiglio going to Buxton, you know, the yeah. sense that there's something happening it, it, yeah, on a slightly smaller scale, you, you get the yeah. same thing. Yeah, Connor Johnson, I'm sure we wouldn't have got without Connor Kennedy having signed first. So I think the fact that obviously they knew each other and the fact that Connor Kennedy had come here, I think was a, a an important factor in Connor Johnson's decision that, yeah, this is a serious uh, prospect. So. Yeah, definitely. You had a, a little bit of disruption, I think, uh, just prior to the season starting in that you'd signed Kane Felix and he's uh, departed to Darlington. I mean, I don't know if there is anything around that that, you, you know, was that a disappointment to you to see him go? Um, it's a bit of a strange one, really. Um, we, we thought he'd be a, a real asset to us and he, he'd just he'd come back to Peterborough, bought a place and, and he approached us and said, look, it'd be convenient. Um, for whatever reason, well, there is one reason probably. For whatever reason, it's just not really worked out. He, he's come in and uh, uh, well, he's a right winger. And one of our sort of special players over the last two or three years has been Dion Sembiferis, who's ex-Colchester and, and been with us a long, long time. And to be fair, in, in pre-season, Dion has been on an absolute fire, in absolute fire. So it was pretty obvious, I think, to Kane and probably everyone else that Dion was going to start on that right wing position. And I, I, th- I think Kane just felt, yeah, this is this is going to be difficult, perhaps. So, well, it, it's all gone fairly amicably, but uh, I think he just said, look, I think I'm going to look for somewhere else. And, and we we issued a circular on Wednesday or Thursday, and there were three or four clubs come into him. So I've, I've had a bit of mixed reaction. Some saying, what's happened there? And some said, oh, yeah, I don't think it was going to work out. So, yeah, it happened. And he's, he's gone and scored yesterday at, at Darlington. So good luck to him. But... He was probably one that wasn't getting in the starting eleven, and and for it freed up obviously a little bit of budget for us that we might just look at one or two other positions just to get someone else in. I, I noticed also very quickly from your uh, the report in the non-league paper today that you've got uh, Dan Lawler away on honeymoon still as well. Yeah. yeah, he got married last Sunday. He he misses the first three games, and Connor Johnson was out for three games. Um, a suspension carried on from last year, so. We're not quite a full strength at the moment. Two two important players missing. Um, we brought in someone at the very last minute yesterday to play that holding midfield role. Unfortunately, picked up a couple of yellows and was was off after sixty minutes. So yeah, we'd we'd be glad to get Dan back. He's been an ever present for five years now. So him, um, he's a core part of the team. So he was a miss and Connor two cent halves did a good job yesterday. Um, but Connor Johnson obviously uh, has been brought in in that position. So. 
Um, yeah, unfortunate timing of weddings, but that's life, isn't it? I don't think they had a lot of choice. It was already been suspended or postponed with COVID, so it was a question of grabbing whatever dates they can. So, yeah, he's in the middle of Mexico at the moment. So. Nice. Well, Grant, best of luck for the rest of the season. I'm sure we'll chat to you and, and Jimmy at some point uh, throughout the rest of the season, but uh, good luck. Yeah, thanks very much. So... Looking at the rest of the National League North results, we almost start at the top, but obviously it's the first games of the season. So we're going to look at a very crazy game down in Lincolnshire. And I know I tipped Boston to have the most clean sheets. Uh, well, and it started off very well, didn't it, Dickie? They were 5-0 down after something like 55 minutes. Yeah, nice to see two teams, uh, you know, keeping it tight yesterday. Boston 3, <laughs> Southport 5 is just an absolutely crazy um, opening day uh, score. And and yeah, Southport to be 5-0 up with still half an hour left on the clock um, was, I'm sure, much more than uh, Liam Watson would have, uh, have dreamt of. Um, he won't be getting carried away. He's, he's managed at this level for a long time. So I'm sure, you know, he, he, he'll be urging his players not to get too carried away with this. Um, Boston United fans, on the other hand, you know, to, to, to see that on opening day. And they, they did get back into it quite late on, but they were never really back into it, to be perfectly honest. A, a, a great day for Southport. Yeah, and another another crazy game this time down in Herefordshire. Hereford 3, Spennymore 3. A bit of a yo-yo game, this one. Yes, it was. Yeah, there was uh, there were goals uh, for uh, Hereford debutant Tyrone Barnett. I know a, a player who spent a very short time at Telford uh, many years ago before going on to have a career in the football league, lower end of the football league, but it was a football league career. Uh, yes, uh, Rob Ramshaw own goal had Hereford in the lead. Then Jordan Thewlis scored twice for Spennymore. Barnett then scored two penalties for Hereford to put them three two up. But yeah, Mark Anderson equalised for Spennymore with seven minutes left. Three goals scored by Spennymore and a surprise not to see Glenn Taylor on the score sheet there. Yeah, but uh, that bodes well. You know, the fact that maybe maybe Spennymore have been a little bit reliant on, on Taylor for goals. And I think having a partner in Thewlis um, may well, you know, help him. It'll help both of them. You know, you can't take your eyes off either of them at this level. The two teams who... We've all predicted, and I think most fans have predicted to be up there, Fylde and Kettering both had one goal, narrow wins. Fylde had to come from behind to beat Kettering and Kinnerins to eventually sort off by thanks to uh, Ashley Hemmings' goal. So, good start for both of those and tough, tough starts as well. Yeah, it was. I mean, Kettering on aside, um, you know, I've, I've, Tip Kettering to struggle this season, given the you know the the players that they've lost, and you know Grant touched on it on it in when we spoke to him there. A couple of them in Connor Johnson and Connor Kennedy who've left, so it is a difficult rebuilding job for League Lover there. Um, but Kettering did lead. They had Luke Graham had them uh, ahead in the 26th minute. It was one-one by half time. Connor Barrett, ironically a former Kettering player, another one of those who left in the summer. Um, he equalised with a header, as I understand it, and then my tip to be the division's top scorer, Nick Horton, scored just after the hour for filed. So probably the result you would have predicted, but maybe not in the way it came about. I think we perhaps thought that would have been slightly more um, routine victory for filed there. Kidderminster winning at Gate, uh, Blythe Spartans, Gateshead, sorry, not them. They've gone up, haven't they? Um, 
again, probably not the, an unexpected result. It wasn't Ashley Hemmings' goal. He's such an important figure for Kidderminster. Um, and they're the kind of wins that Kidderminster need to sort of grind out. I think maybe the criticism of Kidderminster before Russ Penn came in as manager was that they played some great football, but when they needed to grind out results at places like Blythe, sometimes it proved a little bit beyond them. It is early days, it is opening day, but um, yeah, it's a good start for them. Looking at the newly promoted sides, obviously we mentioned Peter Sports and Buxton playing out a 1-1 draw. Uh, Scarborough, they lost 2-0 away at Brackley. It was always going to be a tough opening day for Scarborough. Banbury, they got a fantastic win away at Curzon Ashton. Uh, brilliant result for them and, and maybe slightly unexpected out of the two two uh, games there that, that Brambury would win that. Yeah, I mean, I think both of them um, are difficult games away from home against sides who are much more established in this division. Um, Brackley's win over Scarborough, probably not so much of a surprise, although, you know, a few question marks around Brackley and the fact that um, they've lost players over the summer, that they've been recruiting um, pretty much up to almost the start of the season, which is a very unbrackley-like thing to do, but it was two players that they brought in over the summer, Callum Stead and then George Carline, who I think they added only a couple of days before the season actually started. They get their goals uh, to get them off to a good start. Yeah, the the other game, uh, Curzon Ashton and Banbury, um, uh, excellent from from Banbury there. They led uh, through a goal from Jack Stevens uh, just after half-time, Craig Marn, who I believe is probably the Curzon Ashton skipper again this season got them level but yeah Banbury winning it in the 90th minute with a goal from Giorgio Rasulo so a great start for Banbury I think we were a little bit not concerned but you know they lost obviously a key figure in Chris Ray when he went to Southend um, over the summer but a really good start for Andy Wings men. Yeah the team who came down last season from the National League. Uh, we heard from their assistant manager on our spaces that we did on Friday. They were quite confident. They went up to Bradford Park Avenue and won by a goal to nil, thanks to John and Ponticelli, who kind of crossed my mind as being maybe a dark horse for the top scorer this season. In the end, we went for a safe bet and went for Glenn Taylor. But you won't be surprised to see Ponticelli challenging someone like Glenn Taylor and, and Nick Horton this season. No, you probably wouldn't. I mean, it, it isn't a surprise that he wasn't able to force his way into a Wrexham team with the, you know, kind of embarrassment of riches that they've got up front um, in, you know, the, the, in the likes of Mullen and Palmer. But yeah, he's a, he's a very capable player, Ponticelli. Um, it was came late on yesterday, the winner in the 83rd minute, probably just when it, it, it looked like we were tracking that one over the afternoon and we were thinking this is probably the game that we're going to spend the least time talking about because it was goalless uh, right until seven minutes from the end. But yeah, Kings Lynn getting off to a, 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 a good start in the division. Bradford's not the easiest of places to go and get a result. It is an artificial pitch up there at, at Bradford as well. Um, but yeah, Kingsland staying full-time at this level, I think is one of the reasons that I've put them down to be a playoff side, um, just because you know that the advantage that being a full-time side gives you in National League North. But uh, yeah, um, I, I'm sure you know Mark Barrow will be disappointed from a Bradford Park Avenue perspective and you know probably would have taken a point from that game but uh, it's very early days another 45 games to go yeah yeah and I know Joe predicted Russ Wilcox to be first manager to leave in the National League North and 
His case would have been strengthened by their opening day result away at Leamington with 3 0 down at half time. Ultimately, it finished four goals to nil. Not the start that Farsley would have wanted. And also, the other game was Darlington 3, Gloucester 1. As much as we don't look at the league table, um, this early in the season. I'm, I'm sure Leamington fans would want us to because uh, a 4-0 win over Farsley yesterday, a clean sheet and four goals scored would and does actually put them top of the table after just one game played. Um, two goals for Dan Turner in that game. Uh, another for Adam Walker. Jack Lane with a header just before half-time. 3-0 up. Uh, at the break, can't have been the start that Russ Wilcox would have been looking for for Farsley, but you know we know Leamington is a, a difficult place to go and, and get results at any time of year. So really nice start for Paul Holleran's side. Um, work to do for Russ Wilcox. We're going to look at the National League South now, and I'm pleased to say that an old friend of ours, Tom Lang, is here to join us and review it. Hiya, Tom. Hi, Luke. How's it going? Very well, and it's gone well for three of the promotion favourites or promotion favourites that are tipped. I'll do that again. Three of the three of the teams who are tipped to be promotion favourites in Ebsley, Haven and Dartford. They all got off to a winning start, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And uh, you know, Ebsley and, and Haven obviously uh, both scored well as well. Uh, Dartford picking up a creditable win on the road at Bath City, who uh, you know, a lot of their fans are, are quite expectant this season. So all three of those are, are actually genuinely pretty good results. You know, having, uh, I think, Joe's tips to win there, it's, it's almost now I never all goes well, I think, with having this season, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I think it's it's one that's like, yeah, I just, I don't really feel like it's ever felt like a great fit. Um, but he does have a very strong squad there now. Um, you know, having brought in Jason Pryor, Danny Wright and Mo Fowle, this summer, they clearly, you know, spent a fair bit of money reinforcing that forward line. Uh, they uh, they've kept James Roberts, of course. He got the second goal yesterday. Uh, player I know pretty well from his short loan period at Hampton. Um, really, really effective player at this level. Um, you know, if you if you're lining up with the likes of sort of Jake McCarthy, Paul Rooney, Johnny Critchlow, who reflected so well at Braintree last season, um, it's it's a really strong squad. Um, and in my opinion, you know, I, I don't think uh, Joe is is far off there with. With predicting them for the title, I think, in my opinion, they're not quite as strong a squad as Ebbsfleet. Mm. Um, I think I think Ebbsfleet are that's a national league squad, uh, and it's a national league first eleven as well. So I think they're the team to beat, but um, haven't will absolutely be there or thereabouts and have started well. Yeah, funny you mentioned about Ebbsfleet three 0 win over last season surprise package Chippenham, who didn't help themselves because they had. Uh, Mike, Matty Jones sent off after 38 minutes, but they had Greg Cundall on the score sheet, Toby Ebsett and Daryl McQueen, as I say, some big hitters there. And a bit like Wrexham in the National League, you just feel the only way Ebsley won't go up is if Ebsley kind of mess it up themselves. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they're they're one of the few full-time teams in this league. Um, they've they had such a good squad last year as well, and they've gone out and they've just strengthened it as well, like bringing Josh Wright's come in, Darren McQueen's come in, as you mentioned. You know, Darren McQueen was on loan at Dulwich last season. They really wanted to retain him. Um, and, you know, Dulwich had the attraction of playing in front of 3,500 fans week in, week out. But um, at the end of the day, the offer from Ebsey was too strong. Um, Toby Edsa coming in from Oldershot, that's a great signing. Um, and I'm really excited to see how Amari Sterling James does in this league. Um, it's not just the exciting signings, though, either. You know, Mark Cousins from Bromley coming in in goal. That's a cracking signing, as is Hayden Hollis. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think FC, just, they're just going to be so strong. Um, and I completely agree with you. The only way they don't go up is if they they bottle it, really. 
Um, one of the things as well, the sort of the style they play, um, you know, they have Ben Chapman, they have uh, Jack Paxman, they're centre midfielders, but they quite often start the play right from centre back. Um, they're a team who want to get the ball down, move it quickly up the pitch, but in in a nice playing style. Um, and the fact that they've you know they've 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 lost the likes of or they let go the likes of Will Wood and uh, Lee Martin and Adam Mackie, but I really I don't think they're going to be weaker. Yeah, looking at the playoff hopefuls, Dulwich were one of our picks along with Oxford and Eastbourne. They clashed down in the uh, the University City yesterday. Eastbourne came out on top. They were well ahead at half time. Danny Blow's side. Uh, Dulwich they had a tougher game against Braintree, but I think again this is their best opportunity of getting in the playoffs. They've got such a strong squad this season. And out of Oxford City and Eastbourne, who who do you see maybe getting in the playoffs out of those two as well? Um, so we, before before yesterday, I I mean not I'm going to go changing my opinion on the season based on the starting game, but um, I th- I think Oxford are, should be top four or five. Um, but then you look at who's left this summer, and and you have to ask, have they been replaced? Um, Zico Asari and uh, George Harmon at right back and left back were so important to the way that Oxford played, um, and they were they were just they were just fantastic for them last season. Um, and I really don't know that the players they've brought in are gonna are gonna replicate what uh, what Zico Asari and uh, and George Harmon brought to the team. Um, so I, I was surprised that they went down three one at home to Eastbourne. Um, I think you know. It'll be said to death, won't it, on podcasts and in newspapers across the country today. But um, you know, you can't read too much into the first game of the season. But like you know, at the end of the day, Hampton went down to Eastbourne and won five nil at the first game last season, and Eastbourne ended up in the playoffs, and Hampton didn't. So yeah, um, I think it's a really good result for Eastbourne. Uh, it sort of sets down a bit of a marker for them, um, and Oxford will want to turn it around and get into the, get into Saturday as quickly as possible. Um, I do think. Of the four teams that we've mentioned there, I think Dulwich have got the strongest team. Um, I think they've they've reinforced so well this year. They've brought in a lot of good players, including from the league above. I think they've signed two players from uh, Boreham Wood. They've signed one from Torquay. Um, they've picked, cherry-picked some of the best players from this level as well. Um, Sam Deadfield has been a very good player at Step 2 for a number of years now, uh, as has George Porter, um, you know, as, as is Will Wood has just mentioned. But I think... Frankie Raymond coming in from Boreham Woods alongside James Conley, that could be two of the biggest signings mm. of the season uh, in this division. Um, but also it's, you know, it it kind of has to happen this season for, for Dulwich. I think when you are averaging three and a half thousand fans a game, you, you should be, you should be pulling up trees. And I think playoffs yeah. should be an absolute minimum expectation for Gavin Rose this season. Um, and I think if it, if it doesn't appear to be, on the cards pretty early doors, then then he could be ask, answering some difficult questions. Um, one thing I would say as well is, uh, is Braintree. Um, really interested to see how they get on this season. Um, mm. Ryan Maxwell did a fantastic job with Braintree last season. They were one of the most difficult teams I saw at the Beverly. Um, but obviously Ryan Maxwell's gone. They've got in um, Angelo Harrop, who uh, was at, I believe, Molden and Tiptree in step four last season. And they've had yet again, a huge player swing over the summer. Um, outgoings and incomings amount to a 40-player turnover this summer. Um, and I just don't know how you how you can bed that in that quickly. Um, I looked at their starting lineup yesterday and I think I think 10 of them weren't there last, last season. Um, that's just really, really hard to get that up and running in, in what is going to be an attritional league very quickly. 
You mentioned about Gavin Rolls having to answer questions. A couple of managers who may well have to answer questions are Warren Feeney at Welling. I know Joe tipped Warren Feeney to potentially be one of the first managers to go. Welling have gone full-time. There'll be a lot of pressure on him. And also David Oldfield at Weymouth. Big expectations there. They come down, they'll be expected to go or at least be challenging up there. They lost 3-1 at home to Jay Saunders. He was taking over his first game in charge of Tombridge there. So, tough start for both Welling and Weymouth. Yeah, it is really tough start. I mean, I don't, I will say, I don't see that I think there's going to be a huge amount of teams that will go away to Taunton and pick up many points this season. Um, it's a long old trek. Uh, they're a good side. They're a solid side. And I think, um, you know, expect to see quite a lot of away teams coming away with a nil there. Um, so I wouldn't be too disappointed with Welling. Um, you know, they've, they've, they've clearly spent some money over the last two seasons, you, you know, to have, Peter Taylor and then Warren Feeney as your management uh, at that level over the last season and a bit. Um, they've, they've really backed Warren Feeney this summer as well. Uh, you're not bringing in the likes of, uh, you know, James Dunn and Taylor Maloney and Adi Aziz, people like that. They're not coming in for cheap. Uh, you know, James Dunn, I think, could still be a National League player, if I'm honest. Mm. And I think there are others in that squad that could be as well. Um so it'll be really interesting. I do think they're they're a bit weaker at the back. Um, you do often you, you see this quite often, don't you? You know, clubs come in and they they get a new management team, they get a bit of money behind them, and they get some sort of marquee players in the final third. But I'm not confident that they're quite as strong at the back, which could be their undoing um, as they go for playoff place. But Weymouth, I'm I'm fascinated to see how Weymouth do this season. You know, obviously, we've got history on this podcast, or rather I have, with Weymouth fans, having predicted them to go down last time they got promoted to the National League South, and then they went and won the league or went straight up um, and obviously came in for a fair few pelters there. But I do worry for them this season. Like They've lost almost their entire team from last year. Um, you know, And I'm just not overly convinced by the business they've done either. I think a week a week away from the start of the season, they had six senior players on the books. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though they now do have a squad, I think they've got a squad of about 15 now. That's a small squad anyway. But B, you've not had any sort of pre-season together as a squad. Um, so you, you're basically trying to build your team spirit and build your playing style in the first month of the season. And you know, I think we've got five games in August. Uh, you could you could be finding yourself in a difficult position before you've even really got a unit together. Just quickly on Tunbridge, Tom, um, Steve McKinn went. It was, a, it was a massive shot, wasn't it, at the end of last season? Jay Saunders has gone in there. How, how do you think they'll do? Um, I honestly don't know. It's, a, it's a really, I think, of all the teams in this league, the most difficult one for me to look at and say how I think they'll do is Tunbridge. Um, you know, at Hampton, we signed Tommy Wood uh, from Tunbridge and you know, a couple of other of their big-name players departed over the summer. Um but I think they have replaced people relatively well. Um, Femi Akinwande from Billericay was was one of the better strikers in the league for a team who ended up obviously being relegated. Um, there's a lot of people excited about Manny Major, who's coming from Enfield Town. Um, he, you know, obviously Mo Fall obviously took the headlines from Enfield last season in the uh, in the Isthmian League Premier. But you know, people who watch Enfield, a lot of them would say that Manny Major was was the key player for them. Um, so I think really interesting to see how he gets on. Um, it was a surprise to see Steve McKim go. I think the reaction of the non-league community in the southeast sort of made that quite apparent. But uh, you know, Jay Saunders has got a decent reputation for Margate, so it'd be yeah interesting to see how they go. Uh, we've got them in two weeks, so 
get me on again in a fortnight and I'll let you know what I think. <laughs> yeah, we won't mention Hampton's result, but uh, it's fair to say well well done to newly promoted Chesson on their their win. Um, <laughs> Dover, um, they obviously they come down with a lot of turmoil there last season. Andy Hessenthaler stayed on, which is a bit of a surprise to me. They got a 1-1 draw with Worthing to stalwarts of the National League South score, Jake Robinson and Lee Martin. And Dover will probably just be pleased to be off the mark on any plus points, won't they? Yeah, they will. They will, absolutely. Um, and I think Worthing fans will just have been pleased uh, that they didn't have to do the drive to Dover on the opening weekend with all the holiday traffic as well. So, um it's a decent point for Worthing. I know there was some crowd trouble. Um, I think this is often one of the things you get with the clubs coming up from step three. And obviously, you know, as a Hyde fan who watched a lot of National League North, you'll you'll know this yourself. But it, it can be a surprise, you know, mm-hmm. the size of some of the clubs at step two compared to step three, the likes of a Dover, Maidstone last season. They bring a lot of fans. Um, and there was some crowd trouble at Worthing. And I think it was a bit of a, a, bit of a, a shock to to Worthing that that's the sort of thing they might encounter I would say I haven't seen a lot of it in National League South um, before but yeah disappointing that that's happened on the open day um, as you say absolute stalwart of this level Jake Robinson um, I added up his goals something like 14,000 goals he scored in the last five years absolutely <laughs> um, to be honest I, I still it baffles me that Steve King sort of disposed of him in the way he did last season um, I, I'm you know, obviously, I, I don't know this, but I, I would be pretty confident that Alan Dowson would have been very keen to keep Jake Robinson on board. Mm. Um, but clearly, like, you know, the offer of playing National League South football at a club that is about 10 minutes from his house, that's going to be a massive draw for Jake Robinson. And, you know, he's off the mark already this season. He'll get, he will score 15 goals for Worthing. Like, it's, it's just a guaranteed. That's what Jake Robinson does. And, and Worthing will be absolutely fine, I think. Yeah, the other new promoted side fan, but they lost 1-0 at Hemel Hempstead and Hungerford lost 1-0 at home to Concord. The other game, or the final game that we want to chat about is Chelmsford against St Albans. No no Sean Jeffries on the score sheet for St Albans, but Chelmsford, one of my tips for relegation, mainly because of the off-field turmoil and um, there's a lot of unrest there at the minute, isn't there? There is, yeah. Um, you know, I saw uh, earlier today somebody posted on the, um, the National League South Forum saying that uh, they, they'd really appreciate if away supporters, when they attend the Melbourne Stadium, could avoid spending money in the ground to support their match boycott. So they're really unhappy with the way things are being run at the club there. It's a real shame to see as well. Um, I agree with you. I think they could struggle this season, um, which is a shame because they're, they're an institution at this level um, and have been for a number of years now. Um, I do. I have to say as well, I, I, I do appreciate you offering to skim over the Hampton result yesterday, but we do... We have to talk about it because, in my opinion, it's the result of the day for Chesson at this level, uh, in this league. Um, Chesson were the, the most unfavoured of playoff contenders last season at Isthmian League. They had, I think, Hornchurch, Bishop Stortford, Enfield, you know, some really good teams going up against them. And, and they took the playoff title. So they shouldn't be sniffed at. Yet you go into the start of the season and they are long, long odds at the bookies. Uh, they are the longest odds for title winners, they are the shortest odds for relegation. Um, but I would say, you know, there's no complacency at, at Hampton yesterday. Even the supporters, we, you know, we would have taken a draw. Um, you see, team comes up, they're pretty, pretty up for it. They want to go and make a statement in their new league. 
Um, they've got some dangerous players there, like Sir Brandon Adams, Rowan Lyberg, uh, John Golding. Uh, and so it proved. Um, Hampton went into two-goal lead, Tommy Wood and Brandon Barzi getting the goals. Um, I would say absolutely, if you're watching Nationally South this season, watch out for Brandon Barzi. Um, he's going to have a real breakout season, I think. Um, but then, yeah, hit, clock hit 75 minutes and, you know, Chesson just sort of really came back into it. And it. The likes of Preston Edwards and Taylor McKenzie at the back, like, their their sort of their, their mental resilience, the way they just kept going at the team, kept geeing them up, kept driving them forward was really impressive. Um, the supporters were great as well. Um, there weren't a huge amount of them, but the ones that were there were very loud, um, really pulled their team towards that goal. And yeah, I think 75th minute, 80th minute and the 92nd minute winner. Um, so fair play to Chessant. Um, you know, welcome to the league. Really impressive three points on the opening day and also really a really lovely place to go and watch football as well. Really welcoming um, and they'll be a great addition to the league. Brilliant. Well, uh, thanks for that, Tom. Um, and we'll speak to you soon. Uh, thanks to Rob. He's had to scoot off and, and thanks again to yourself as well, Dickie. You're very welcome, Luke. Good to speak to <laughs> Oh, Dickie nodded off there for a minute. Uh, that is it. Thank you very much for joining us. Give us a follow on Twitter at NL Full Time. It's the same on Instagram. If you haven't got social media, then email us nlfulltime at gmail.com. Subscribe as well on all your good podcasting platforms to get it uploaded to your device every week. And please leave us a review as well. Until then, have a great footballing week and we will be back next weekend.